Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today's show is kind of a new one. So I did a little Instagram poll on, uh, on basically how to approach Road to the Trials. So 98% of you actually said, hey, we would want Road to the Trials to be part of the Rambling Runner feed, not to be split into two. So that's what we're doing. So this is going to be the first one of Road to the Trials. It's going to be on the Rambling Runner feed, and that's how it's going to be from now on. So we got Jeremy Rivera here uh, to talk about her racing over the past couple months, some more short stuff racing. And she also dives into a topic um, that's a really, a really personal one, uh, but one that a lot of people uh, probably could benefit from because I know it's something that affects a lot of folks. I don't want to give it away here because it's I don't want to just throw it out there, but it's uh, it's an important topic and I'm so glad that she touched on it. That is for sure. I uh, also want to give huge shout outs to our sponsors today, Lagoon. They have a really cool thing coming up. We're going to announce it next week um, over at Lagoon. The best pillows in the game. Um, yeah, basically, my wife was stealing my pillow. So I had, I had a Lagoon, Lagoon pillow. She didn't. She was stealing my pillow. So now we each have a Lagoon pillow, which is a fun little thing. Uh, it's just it's just the best pillow. And the thing is, we all want to sleep well. And having a really good pillow is just, you know, it's so important for that, right? Because we've all had in those situations where you're grabbing pillows, you're mixing and matching, you're trying to get comfy. And that's not something I have to worry about anymore. And you shouldn't have to worry about it either. And also vacation races. If you want to plan an amazing vacation, what better way? Travel abroad, domestically, really, really exciting things for over that vacation races. So go check them out today. The um, the links and the discount codes and all that stuff are in the show notes. So go check that out. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Jeremy Rivera. All right, Jeremy Rivera, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me back on. I'm excited to chat. Now we move this over to Rambling Runner. So what we're going to be doing is Road to the Trials is now merged. Rambling Runner podcast. I did a little Instagram poll. Instagram poll. Nine, oh, first of all, you never know how many, people are going to, how many people are going to vote in those things. And for this one, a lot voted. And 98% of you said, just roll it into Rambling Runner. So, hey, here to give the people what they want. I'm not, I'm not you know, dogmatic about where these things go. I really don't care. So... Here we are on the Rambling Runner podcast. You've been on both. Anyway, the story stays the same. So I'm so excited to have you here. We did a lot of post-Boston stuff, most most recently on Road of the Trials, where you weren't really part of that group. You ran Houston, and you've been doing your thing in Orlando. So I just I have to ask, cause because the heat and humidity around the whole country has been nuts. I'm feeling it on my runs. What's it like down there for your runs? Um, It's been very hot. I've been handling it pretty well, but, you know, most days we're in the 90s. Sometimes it can be 90 for a low. So that will be the temperature, like the real feel at three in the morning. So and then like in the evening, it'll go to the triple digits. In some areas, it can be like 111 to about 100. So that's been the situation over here. And the sun rises like at 630. So, and it's on you <laughs> until like eight o'clock at night. So it's brutal. So what time of day do you normally run? Or does it just not matter? Cause it's just hot all the time. To me, it doesn't matter. It's going to be hot no matter what you do. But, um, and I also am really bad about waking up early. So that's kind of how I justify it in my mind. I'm like, oh, well, it's going to be hot no matter what. But some days, especially on Sunday, I'll run early just because, it's a super long run and 
I'm not going to survive um, if it's in the direct sun. But some of the weekday kind of like mid to longer distance runs, I'll do it starting at like 630 when the sun's starting to go down. And that way I get a lot of shade. So, so that's evening kind of runs. Evening. Yeah. Sometimes afternoon, too. Um, sometimes morning, but it just kind of depends on how I'm feeling and what the run is supposed to be. So how do you handle it if you do like an evening run and then the next day you're thinking more than morning run? I know for me and for a lot of people, that can be a quick, a quick transition, right? Cause you have like, you, you, you go that evening run, you come back, you take the shower. Sometimes it can be hard to go to sleep after the run. And then you like, you wake <laughs> up first thing in the morning. It can feel like a double in a way. Cause it is a quick turnaround. Yeah, I actually did that today so oh. last night i did 10 miles and i ended i think at like almost eight o'clock at night then i went home showered did some strength training at like 9 30. strength training at home or did you go to the gym i see all these gym videos i'm like this woman is serious we'll talk about that later but yeah <laughs> yeah this i did at home because it was 9 30 and the gym closes at 10 so i would have you know they would have been like pulling me out of there so i just did it at home and then I woke up this morning at seven and I went for another run, uh, six miles. And then I'll have six tonight. And uh, yeah, so it's I I would say that I fall asleep like a baby, though, when I oh, go through okay. this. Like I, um, you know, take my shower, I eat. And by that point, like I'm so exhausted <laughs> in a good way. Um, that I just like lay down and just focus on relaxing. So, so just out like a light at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I get good sleep. Like my heart rate stays low. Um, I sleep well through the night. So, so what's the, what's the food choice after the late, the, the, the evening run, not late, the evening run, but then late night lift. Like how, like you obviously like, there's a lot of choices there. You could go basically any size you want, I would think, because you just like put your body to the limit. So at the same time, like I can't sleep really well if I have like a f completely full stomach, you know? So what's the, what's the food <laughs> choices at that point? Yeah. So I cannot do snake meal and I refer to snake meal as like just eating one giant big meal and like hoping that that kind of like absorbs in my body. I do what's called like light eating and like frequently eating light and frequent. Um, and so I'll have, um, like if you want to go far back as like, I'll have my lunch and then I'll have a snack and another snack. Then I run, then I have a post run shake. Then I come home and I'll eat like either bagel or cheese stick, just kind of something to like hold me over combined with a protein shake and it has milk in it too. Um, and then I do my strength training. And last night, um, I had a burrito and a fake beer. So <laughs> no veggies. <laughs> All right, so so you oh so you're having the shake and some solid food between mm -hmm. the run and the lift. Yes. And then as having well as... kind of like a proper like small meal, mm -hmm. small to medium meal after the lift. Correct. And then it's like, all right, bedtime. Bedtime. Let's go. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> so the next morning, right? So especially like ten miles and then a lift. That's no joke. That's it's it's some serious work right there. So in the morning, getting ready for that 6.30, 7 a.m. run, what's the morning look like? Uh, and I'd love to know just an emphasis on, like, what do you have to do pre-run to make sure that, like, you're ready to go without kind of feeling the effects of the night before? Um, usually I'll, ooh, if without feeling the effects, uh, I, I 
will likely feel the effects (laughs) in one way or another, (laughs) no matter what I do. But um, I wake up, I have a 12 ounce glass of water, I put electrolyte in it, um, I have some coffee, and then I have a bagel with butter. Then I'll go do my run, and then I come back and I'll have oatmeal, like a big bowl. It's like almost a thousand calories in that bowl of oatmeal. It's like eight over 800. Wow. So is it, is it just oats? You must have a whole smorgasbord of stuff in there. Yeah, it's like um, almond butter, yogurt, coconut flakes. There's milk in there to like add even more calories to it. Chia seeds. Trying to think of what else. Oh, usually banana and blueberry as well. Gotcha. You got like the whole food pyramid in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, is the food pyramid Apology. still a thing or is it now it's the plate? <laughs> no. I don't know. I have um, no idea. I feel like Michelle Obama was like, no, we're not doing the pyramid anymore. And now we're doing the plate. So it's like the okay. color coordinated plate. Uh-huh. Basically, it's, basically, it's a it's a pie chart. It's really, yeah. really what it is. You know, I used to do more. I used to think of eating in that way like oh i need to have a vegetable in every meal as well as like a carb and a protein but i was overeating on the veggies um and so my plate yeah it doesn't have every color in it but that and every meal that. doesn't have to be like this perfect balanced thing right it's like yeah but if you have like perfectionism then you're getting in there and you're like right. yeah, i'm just thinking about like how, how like how i eat a salad like a salad like every bite of the salad has to be a microcosm of the salad, right? So it's like, say there's like tomatoes and cucumbers and lettuce and peppers, right? So then every bite has to be like, I get my pepper, get my cucumber, get my tomato, get my lettuce. Yeah. Put it in, right? It's not just like, all right, this is a lettuce bite. Yeah. This is a, this is a pepper bite. You yeah. know, it's like you get the, you have to like kind of like have a little microcosm in there. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be that way, right? It, it, yeah. it could just be like personal preference. Oh, wait, I didn't hear the last thing that you said. I was saying, it could just be like personal preference, right? Like you can, as long as you're having it over the course of a day, right? To extend this metaphor to its breaking point. Like it doesn't have to be like, okay, I need, I just had my veggie. Here comes the fruit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what are you doing pre-run from a mobility perspective um, just to kind of get you going? Um, So I have my little mini bands, like TheraBands that I'll do. Um, I always do my drills. I'm too old now, man. Like I used to be able to (laughs) just hit the door or get out the door and just go run. And now I have to do like, I do my little tippy toe walks. I do like my little knee hugs. So I'm like hugging the left side, the right side, do some lunges. Um, that's kind of my usual routine. And then I'll go into doing like a couple drills, like butt kickers, some high knees and stuff like that, just to kind of get my body, um, oiled up, get it used to moving so that I don't just start running and snag a muscle (laughs) or something. Now, is this an age thing or is this like, I'm running a ton of miles thing and it's like, I gotta, I gotta get loose. It could be, it could be a little bit of both. Um, it's. You know what? Now I'm confused. Now I don't know. I have to go back and <laughs> and think because now that I'm like thinking of when I started this, I I was getting older, but I was also running more. So, right. So like that, that cumulative fatigue is a, is a, is a real thing, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But I just noticed that like yeah, I am not a spring chicken, and the things that I have to do to get warmed up, like it's getting more aggressive. <laughs> as I get older like I I need to do more to get more of a sweat um, before I get started so I can't just like do 
it's, I mean, band work can be hard. It can be hard and body, body weight can be very hard. Um, but I feel like I need to jump around a little bit more. Yeah. Especially on those early morning runs because your body just hasn't been moving. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Especially on those. Yeah. It's like if you're just, if you weren't doing doubles and you were just doing the 630 at night run, not that you wouldn't want to be warmed up, but you're like, I've been moving all day. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's not, it's not as if you're just coming from the bed being like, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> last night was tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from a food perspective, obviously like you're, you're figuring out what works for you when you're playing it around the different activities you're doing during the day and the different kind of running stuff that you're doing and making sure that you're not running on like a full stomach and all of that. I love, I love the visual of like this, the snake bite kind of thing. Right. At first I was like thinking like a snake actually biting something, but then I envisioned like the, you know, yeah. I don't know, like the, the rabbit, like in the snake stomach, just like sitting, sitting there. You can see it from the outside. Yeah. Um, so have you gotten assistance just like how to approach eating to, you know, to be the, this elite athlete in terms of like the, the stuff you should be consuming, the ways you can consume it and just all the stuff that goes into it. Because um, you mentioned before, like you're doing the protein powder stuff and all of that, too. Hey, folks, let's talk about vacation races. So vacation races host half marathons, ultra marathons and trail running festivals at national parks around the country in week long running adventures all around the world. These global adventures offer daily 7 to 12K trail runs in the morning and afternoon activities that include high like high adventure things like glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting, or cultural activities like wine tasting, falconry, his, uh, historic tours, cooking classes, just these things. They offer a, just such a wide range of things. If you're worried about pace, don't be. They require runners to maintain around a 20-minute mile pace. So as long as, you can, as long as you're basically moving with purpose, you're going to be just fine. These adventures are all all-inclusive, which means hotels, in-country transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and swag are all covered in the trip. And they just announced their full 2024 calendar, which you're going to want to check out. Again, I know we just started 2023, but you got to plan these trips way in advance. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. They have 11 different destinations. Examples are like Alaska, Costa Rica, Croatia, Ecuador, Iceland, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Patagonia, so many. It really is remarkable. You can go check them out at vacationraces.com. New customers can use Rambling 200 for $200 off any global adventure trip that is not currently sold out. Also, you can use code Rambling15 for 15% off any of the half marathons or ultra marathon adventures that are not currently sold out. So remember, it's code Rambling200 for the global adventures and Rambling15 for 15% off the half marathon or ultra marathons. Yeah. So I did get help from a professional just because, um, last year and I haven't really talked about this, but I lost my period for a very long time, like almost a year. And then I came into the physical therapist's office and I was like, look, I have this pain in my hip. And immediately they like, their eyes bugged out and they freaked out because they were like, okay, what you're indicating, it could be um, a femoral head stress fracture. And especially because you haven't had your period. I was also losing a ton of weight. Um, I was like very lean last year, abs ripped, veins everywhere. And I liked it, but I could tell that something, um, it was going okay at that point, but I was thinking, okay, if I continue to push the miles, push the workouts, like I have to change the way that I'm eating. And so actually 
it wasn't coming from me thinking, oh, I need to um, be as skinny as possible, but rather it was just because I've spent so much time eating in a way to lose weight um, since like 2018 that I kept that on, even though I was like running more aggressively than ever. And so I had to learn how to like add the piece of cheese onto my sandwich and like add the mayo in there because the way that I was eating was becoming like a little bit overly too clean. Um, and that goes back to like me adding in all those veggies too. It was too much. So it was, I was eating a lot of like essentially low nutrient food because I wasn't like salting my food and I wasn't putting extra things on it. So I wasn't getting calories. I wasn't getting energy. And so I just kind of was, um, dealing with these like periods where I would just feel irritable all the time. And so I was like, okay, something, I know something has to change. And then I had the issue, the catalyst that forced me to call the, or not therapist, but the nutritionist was to, um, was what happened at Indy basically. Um, so from there I started working with her and she was like, okay, do you know that a lot of elite athletes they'll eat in like these increments of like two to three hours. And I've heard, um, Ryan Hall say that, that he eats in like these three hour windows. I had no idea, um, because of my background, I have never been an athlete. I have just been used to eating how a person would, that's like trying to lose weight just because it was just all that I knew. And I thought that that's what clean eating was. I think there's also a tendency, you know, when you're not getting help from a professional and you see things on Instagram, like, oh, this is what a runner's plate should look like. And it looks super overly clean. And there's a lot of emphasis on like not eating junk, but I learned with the nutritionist how to um, add in what like a lot of people call junk, like adding in a cookie, adding in cereal, processed foods in a way that can help me and give me energy instead of like thinking of them as like, oh, this is process. Um, I can't eat this. Like I need to stick to whole foods. And for people who maybe haven't heard an earlier episode, just remind them what happened at Indy that you referenced, you know, a, a, a second ago. Yeah. So I ate um, a bunch of like new things and things that I wasn't really, um, my stomach wasn't accustomed to and it got violently, violently ill. And at the time I couldn't tell if it was a stomach bug because of like how sick I felt with like chills and just constant, like I almost crapped myself in the streets, um, after the race, like I almost went in between a building. <laughs> That's how sick I was. Um, but I learned with the nutritionist, like when I was like logging down my foods and like logging what was happening with my stomach that, um, there are certain foods, like if I eat super fatty foods, um, that can make me very violently ill. So, um, yeah, I got super sick. I had the worst race of my life. Um, besides the one that I had at Boston where I also got super sick, but that was more like upper, uh, stomach GI distress. Um, so yeah, immediately I, I kind of, you know, thought to myself, okay, I kind of drove this off into the ditch. Let me see if I can get some help because I see a barrier here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being open and honest about this is something that um, affects a lot of people, especially, um, you know, talk about this low event, low energy availability, you know, whether it's red S um, and or amenorrhea, you know, you have the situation where it can be you know, a very, very serious thing. So being open to us about it is, is uh, incredibly helpful to a lot of people out there. Um, as you started down that path of like, all right, I need to, to solve this problem. Were there certain resources that you were leaning on? Like, I know, like, like just for, as an example, 
like Tina Muir has done a ton of stuff on Amenorrhea. She's written a book on it and, and talked about it at length and things like that. And I know it's becoming, while maybe not a widespread topic, it's much more out there than it was, you know, three or four years ago. So what's been that process like for you in just terms of, you know, knowledge base and getting yourself back on track? Well, um, one thing I learned is that, uh, I mean, I didn't do any other research besides just kind of like talking to my nutritionist and um, eating more. I was very lucky that I got my period back very quickly. So within like four weeks of increasing my calories, it, it came back and it's been back ever since. Um, but yeah, just pretty much... Um, learning that I need more calories than what I was eating. So I had at once um, started tracking just to kind of see where I am. And I was like, oh, um, I'm at 2100 usually. And this is Ooh. like, yeah. Ooh. And this is like on the 70, 80 mile weeks with the gym and stuff. And so, you know, I've had um, stress reactions. I've had stress fracture before. And so like, it, you know, like if you've been there, you don't want to go back. And so when I kind of saw all this stuff, all these stars come together and, you know, it wasn't just my, um, it wasn't just the uh, physio that was telling me that I potentially have reds. Like I was turning over every stone. I went to my, you know, general doctor. Um, he had mentioned that. Um, I went to the OBGYN. She had mentioned that. Um, all of them, when I told them kind of like what was going on, all their eyes kind of like bugged out and they were concerned. And so that um, led me to be a little bit concerned, but, um, you know, without that reaction, I honestly don't think I would have known because a lot of people say, you know, oh, you lose your period. That's totally normal. That happens to athletes all the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know much on that end, like whether that is normal or not. I don't think it's it not. Is. I mean, I say, I mean, it, say, it may, it may be common, but it's not healthy. Right. I think that we yeah. could all agree on that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's some people who've been do, doing great work on this. I know uh, Megan Roche and Emily Krauss over at the Faster um, Research Group based out of Stanford are doing a ton of research on this as well. And they're not the only ones, Lord knows. Um, but trying to try to inform coaches, you know, to be proactive with their athletes about this, this kind of topic, um, because it is so important. Right. And it's not just about, you know, it's, it's about fueling for the rest of your life, but also the short term. Right. It's just it's an incredibly important topic. So I really appreciate you. You bring it up because, again, the, the more people know, the, the more important it is. Um, let's talk about how you've been running recently. You've been doing the, the shorter races, right? So um, I think you've, <laughs> yeah. had, you've had like the, the 15K, you've had the four miler, you've had a 5K as well. What's it been like yeah. getting into the shorter stuff post Houston? Um, it's, it's been good, but it's also been very frustrating because that's not my wheelhouse. Um, I tend to perform in a way that like you would not predict based on my shorter distance, like the times you would not predict that I run what I run for the marathon. <laughs> so it can be very frustrating for me to like, for example, do Houston at a 620 pace and then turn around and do a 10 K at 607. Like, <laughs> why are they so close? Um, so yeah, that's been very frustrating, but, um, you know, it's fun to work on something new. It's fun to work on speed, but I'm not good at it. So it just kind of like gives me the ick a little bit. There's a 5k that just happened and I just totally like 
was like, nope, I'm not doing it. It was like a watermelon 4th of July 5K, and I, I'm a masochist, but I don't know if I can take it as far as, like, hurting myself emotionally, too. <laughs> that one looked so. hot. I think there was a lot of good runners in it, but they were like, you know, like, the top five place was, like, 1930. And again, that's fast. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I think those top five women was like 1930. Again, that's that's really fast. But considering who was in the race and how big it was, it's like you normally wouldn't see that. And it was obviously because of the weather. Yes. Yeah, the weather was bad. and But also the top three men were all under 16, which isn't, you know, like it, if we're talking like at a high competitive level, levels, not um, Diamond League. <laughs> Impressive. But for like a local 5K that it's not um it's not like certified it's pretty fast (laughs) yeah for sure for sure so when you're working on this shorter stuff um is the thought to be faster for the marathon and and if so what are the things that you and your coach are keying on to 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 get to that point and i think one of the things i saw recently was you trying to be you're you're being open and honest about you know wanting to kind of tinker with your stride length and things like that so where did that come from so I've always had a short, choppy stride. It's something that I've been completely baffled by. Like, I'm not someone who has extensive knowledge um, in running. Um, a lot of people will ask, like, oh, do you coach? No, because I don't know anything about, like, training and periodizing. I'm just starting to kind of learn about that. Like, I'm not a dorky, nerdy person, so I just don't. I'm not, like, a numbers person, I guess is what I mean to say. So, um, yeah, as far as that, uh, that's, uh, wait, I kind of lost my train of thought. I guess like, I, I lost like, on, on the, cause I asked you like a four part question. That was, it was definitely unfair. Let's just touch on the cadence part first. Um, yeah. like, was that something that, that your coach identified? Like, Hey, maybe we should work on this. Was it just something that like, that you thought like, Hey, maybe I'm, I need to be a little more powerful bouncy stride, maybe a little less, a little less short and quick with it. Or what was the genesis of wanting to, to alter it? So I have kind of seen online floating on the internet that like anything over 200 um, with your cadence can be wasting energy. And for a very long time, my cadence was like 210 up to 220 during a race. Yeah. Wow. Like way too high. And, you know, obviously I can see it in videos that my stride is choppy my coach has mentioned that my stride is kind of like i'm kind of like skittering around <laughs> we're well, also running and... super fast right like part of me is like hey whatever like you're you're still you're, you're running by a lot of people so who cares <laughs> it works and that's kind of something uh you know another thing that i've like tried to fix about my form is like my arm like kind of swings out like my left arm and some people will like mention like oh your arm is doing this weird thing but then i look at their profile and i'm like okay you don't run as fast as me so if i can do this with my wonky arm like (laughs) i mean no offense but (laughs) i'm gonna keep the wonky arm (laughs) so are there certain kind of like drills or different kind of things that you can do um, that will allow you to get kind of a, a, a longer kind of bouncier stride instead of like the, the quick little rat-tat-tat like that you have right now. And again, I'm, I don't care what your stride looks like. I'm, I'm not offering any advice either. You're, you're way faster <laughs> than me. So you're doing, obviously doing some really good stuff. I just was curious, like 
at what point, like, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm getting good. This is going well. But there's always stuff to iterate on. And it was just so interesting that you you were putting it out there in public. It's like, hey, we're trying to iterate on this. And, um, yeah, I was just fascinated. So I'm coming at it from a couple different angles. I'm, like, trying to strengthen my posterior chain, so my glutes, my hamstrings. I'm also trying to um, work on my hip flexor strength. So I'll do um, stuff with the mini bands kind of like marches with the mini bands um and you can do that in a bridge style so like you're laying in your back and you're doing the marches with the mini bands so I'm working the front I'm working the back I'm stretching by I forget the name of the stretch but it's like a hip flexor stretch essentially but I'm trying to strengthen my backside um stretch out the front and then also do um hill strides and then do sprints on the easy days, like just regular strides. Um, and then the other thing that I'm doing in the gym is like just strengthening my calves so I can grow like the muscle fibers in there. I'm hoping that maybe that helps with like pogoing off or something. But I've been trying to read books about like how the body works and and <laughs> how running like running mechanics work and trying to kind of attack it from that way. I also read in Coach Brad Hudson's book, um, Run Faster from the 5K to the Marathon, he was talking about how hill sprints and strides are great running specific ways to work on the strength that you need to get a better stride. And so what he recommends is like when you're in the fundamental stages, so you're kind of like base building, is to just pick like one or two easy days and do these like, I think... I don't want to say he starts with six seconds. He starts with like eight seconds and it can go as far as like to 12 seconds. So it's very short. It's not a workout. It's not something that should leave you like feeling drained at the end, but you'll do like four to six of those and start with eight seconds and then move over to 12 seconds. Um, but you'll find like a grade that's pretty high for you. And so I'm just working on like trying to generate power, trying to stretch my hip flexors, trying to strengthen my booty and uh, do everything that I can to get more length. And the reason for that is because with my cadence, if I can just like get that little bit of length, I can make myself faster without actually trying harder. So it's kind of like a little hack to hopefully try and get faster. But I'm also doing the other things like doing the workouts that I need to do, you know, the mileage and stuff. Right. I also wonder if like, that's also part of the reason that like, you know, the, the, the 10 K time is fairly close to the marathon time. Right. Cause like at some point, like if you're just like, I'm just like, if you're quick stepping your way through, instead of being a little bit more explosive, maybe that's part of the reason that's like, not that you can't be more explosive, but this, that, that's not what you're accessing. Um, you work super hard in the gym. You run a lot. Obviously, you have, like, the muscle and the power to do it. Um, I wonder if that's why they're so close. Where, like, maybe at the marathon pace, you can just cruise. Like, you're just, like, you know, like on autopilot with that with that quick cadence of yours. Just, like, let it rip. Yeah, and it's also, like, it's the lack of power for sure. And then also... Um, it's something it's like a limitation that I put on myself where like the second that things hurt I go oh fuck no I'm out of here and I'm like I back right off that, that um, is so I funny because like I would think it'd be the exact opposite because you're like you seem like such a go-getter with this stuff 
<laughs> I mean, there are very few 5Ks that I'll like run to that level where I feel like my teeth are falling out and my brains are coming out of my hairs, but it's not very common. <laughs> it's not common. Um, it's hard for me to go there. Like, you know, normally when my husband, he'll watch a race, a shorter distance race that I do, he'll be like, why were you smiling? Or like, why were you not running as quickly as you should have? And it's like, oh, because I don't, every time it hurts, like, ugh, I just have a hard time. <laughs> Going now, there. is that a race-specific thing, or is that also happening in workouts? And I say it because obviously, not obviously, people who listen to this might not be obvious to them, but you do a lot of workouts with your husband. It seems like you have like a nice group of people that you do workouts with, you know, either regularly or from time to time. So, do you feel like your workouts were matching your race pace, or was there like a, a different a differentiation there? Well, it used to be that I would work on more five k type things when I was working with my old coach. Um, so now I don't have too much experience with that. Like now we're so hyper marathon focused that I don't have any recent experiences to call on. Um, mm. but I don't know. I honestly, I don't know because that is a good point. Like what you do in your workouts is what you're going to do on race day. Um, so if I'm like chickening out in the workout then I'm probably going to chicken out at the race when things get real. <laughs> All right, everybody, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to Lagoon. That's right, Lagoon Sleep. You heard me in the intro talking about their pillows. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. This year, I'm really trying to take better care of myself, both before and after my runs. And one of the areas that I'm really focusing on is sleep and not just about the time you the time you spend in bed obviously that's important but also making sure you have quality and not just quantity and that's a big thing right we talk about all the time with training quantity and quality same thing with sleep and part of that is your pillow i have the fox pillow that was the one that i got after taking the online quiz which was really interesting to take because you, you figure out like what what exactly do i need what do i need my pillow for how do i sleep what are my preferences and it makes a big difference. And this is a pillow I've had for over a month now. It's coincided with my biggest 30 days of training that I've ever had. And I feel really, really good. And I know a big reason for that is because of how I'm sleeping and how I'm sleeping is affected by my pillow and things are just going so well for me. Waking up from my morning runs has never felt better. I'm refreshed. I'm pain-free in large part thanks to Lagoon Pillow. So go to lagoonsleep.com. That's L-A-G-O-O-N sleep.com forward slash rambling. Take their awesome two-minute sleep quiz to find your match and then use code rambling for 15% off your first purchase today. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say that because sometimes, sometimes it's just easier to push in a workout because there's no stakes, right? There's And, and everybody's yeah. different, right? Because there's some people who, like, can rip it in a workout and then on race day, like, they, they get tense or they're, they get worried or they're, like, self-conscious about if I don't run well, what, what am I going to think or what's this going to mean? And as if every mm -hmm. race is, like, a referendum on every running thing they've ever done, right? As right. opposed to, like, hey, it's just a workout. Like, who cares if I blow up? I'm just going to go run hard. You know what I mean? Right. And there's other people who do the opposite, right? Who kind of, like, yeah, maybe don't go as hard in the workouts compared to other people. But then on race day, like, they're all in it. Like, they love race day, right? It's kind of like the Alan yeah. Iverson, like, practice meme, right? He's like, he's in there for the games, not for the practice, you know? So, and yeah. like, those are just two, two ends of the spectrum, I guess. Yeah. And there's people who like to go to the verge of, like, puking. <laughs> and I, I just don't know that, like in a workout setting or in a race that I like to do that. <laughs> That's a great point because um, 
you know, in the marathon, like it's not that people don't puke in a marathon, but it's not because of effort or exertion, right? It's like, oh, that gel did not taste good. And oh, it's coming back up, right? <laughs> As opposed to like, right. you know, you're going so fast that like you have to puke because obviously like that's not marathon pace by definition. So do yeah. you just, do you enjoy doing that kind of like above like threshold pace and above work? Is that just like something that you just personally like doing more of? As opposed to the, the shorter, peppier stuff? Yeah. And I do feel that the shorter, faster things can be in a weird way. Like I haven't dissected this, but very triggering for me because I feel like I feel like I'm jiggling everywhere. Like my whole body is just like out of control. My eyeballs are like rattling in my head. And so it just feels like, I don't know, I just get this sense of like, oh my God, you're out of shape. Oh my God, this hurts so bad because you suck. <laughs> oh my and God. So... Jeremy. <laughs> being honest <laughs> i know i know and, and i and i appreciate the honesty i'm not i'm not I, I, I mean i meant that in a way of like um you know like i, I feel so bad right because like here you are you put in all this work and time and and you're down to like a, you're a 247 marathoner for goodness sake you know what i mean and uh -huh. you have, and you have b b bigger goals than that as, as evidenced by the fact that you're on this show right now and that we're talking about this yeah. sort of thing um Man, it's, it's like that classic, like, you know, you know, we should talk to ourselves as nicely as we talk to others kind of vibe. Yes. Yes. That's the lesson that I'm constantly having to go back to. <laughs> so. So how do you, know, you've mentioned a second ago that you and your coach are very marathon focused. Like that is the, that is the mm -hmm. goal. That is what this year is all about. And while you're doing these races, that's not the goal. This is just what this is just what's happening now. So, moving forward, how do how does the current um, the current training schedule look, and how does that play into the marathon goals? So right now we're still in the base building phase. We're getting close to the point where I'll start doing workouts. Um, the miles have been sitting between. 60 to 70. I had two weeks where I went to 80 because we were going to try to ramp up. And then immediately my body said no. And it wasn't really from, um, it's, it's going to sound weird because I'm going to say it's not physical. Like it, it wasn't like I was like in physical pain, but it was more that I was showing up on Sunday and I was feeling drained and tired and lacking energy, not motivated. And it was very unusual. Um, so we scaled back. So now it's around like 60 to 70 and we're kind of slowly starting to build back up. So this week I'll be at 75. Um, we keep playing with doubles. So this week, Monday will be my rest day. I'll have six to eight miles. Tuesday will be about eight miles. Um, Wednesday's 10 miles hard. So I'll just go hard, uh, self-explanatory, uh, Thursday, six in the morning, six in the evening. Um, Friday, I believe is going to be like 10 miles, eight to 10 miles. And then Saturday's a double. So I'll do six and six again. And then Sunday, 15 hard. And then kind of based on how I'm feeling, sprinkle in the strength stuff and place that. I'm not too formal on my strength training. Like I don't say, oh, this week I have to do this on this day and this on that day. So. So when you say, so do the, the midweek 
hard effort. So the the 10 mile midweek hard effort. Um, when you say hard, obviously that's that's not a pace. That's an effort. Um, mm-hmm. What around like what effort is that? Like is that more like at half marathon? And if it's and if it's progressive, please let me know too. Um, is that more like half marathon effort, threshold effort, like that kind of vibe? Obviously, for any ten miles, we're not talking about five k effort, right? That'd be ridiculous. Like no, no, no one runs their five yeah. k pace for ten miles because that would just be their ten mile pace. But um, so like how, how would you categorize the effort that you're putting in? Um, it's different week to week, just depending on obviously how hot it's going to be, um, on a day where the temperature is like 107, I might run like 625 pace on the harder segment. So like the first two miles will be a warm up, The last mile will be a cool down and the miles in between things like seven miles will be, um, I don't know. I just kind of run hard. It's just kind of like 70% effort. Uh, But sometimes like yesterday I did like a 608, a 603 and a 601 uh, minute per mile for my last like three miles because it was a little overcast. So anywhere between about 30 seconds to zero seconds off marathon pace or like, you know, give her like one second, you know, higher something like that. But right. Um, for me, it is usually progressive and that's just because that's the way that I like to do it and I do do it. You know, I just naturally it, the effort level, um, feels the same as I continue to go through it. Like it'll feel harder at the end, but it, um, I feel like I just naturally get faster. Um, I don't know if that's something I made up in my head, but (laughs) that's just what I do. (laughs) Oh, it's a great skill to practice. That's for sure. As opposed to the opposite. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, you know, you, you talk about like, hey, like the weather plays a huge factor here. So like, you know, this this is fast. This is hard. And like you mentioned like, hey, some of it's like 625, 630 pace, right? which for reference is slower than marathon effort. Right. So yes. at the same at marathon pace, I should say. But it's much harder mm-hmm. than marathon effort because you're putting in it. You're doing it at, you know, some some sweltering conditions. I want to harp on this point now, if you'd indulge me, because a lot of people are going through that right now. Where, like, especially if they're in a place that has some wide variety of seasons, they're like, "Oh my God!" Like running in these conditions, like it's 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 crushing me. I don't know how to pace myself. All the paces I used to run for this kind of workout, like I feel like they're out the window, and it can be demoralizing for people to kind of go through that experience and not be like, "I'm," lo-, and not to think that they're losing fitness or that they're not tough or that they're not performing well. So, how are you able to? I guess maybe it's not evaluate, but like, you know, take stock of how your workouts are going while giving yourself grace on the fact that like weather is a real thing and it has a real mm-hmm. impact on, on the performance. Yeah. I would say that you can't attach yourself to who you were like back in January or who you were last year when you were like in peak marathon shape. And that's something that I'm, I come to terms with every summer. Like I'm not going to be that person. I'm a little bit um softer like i don't have the same like definition on my body i'm slower and so i can't like continue to compare myself to that person there's also different um physical or i guess you could say like mental demands on us as well through the summer like it's kind of that period where it's low key and you don't have any races but at the same time this is the most important time for you to start like solidifying those habits that you're going to have for the fall so it's like pressure but no pressure (laughs) so you're dealing with like different um 
mental demands as well as the different seasonal conditions. And so um, through every season, I mean, I try not to, I try to remove the word should, and that's something that I learned in therapy. Like I should be here or I uh, should be feeling this way. It should feel like this. It shouldn't feel this hard because it can, um, bring upon feelings of shame. And like, obviously shame is not going to get us to where we want to go. You have to have a lot of confidence, especially in the summer, you're getting beat down. Like it's already hard enough as it is. We can't be pointing the finger at ourselves and being like, Oh, you should be running this pace. Cause it was easy last fall and now look at you in the summer. So um, I just take things by feel, especially in the summer. One thing, I don't even know if anyone has noticed it, but I guess I'll just bring it out to attention on here, is that in the summer, like, I'll have my fast runs, but I pause my watch for water, like every two and a half miles, because I don't have someone that's like, handing me a bottle on a bike. So I have to stop and I have to drink water. In the summer, that's like two and a half miles. I'm stopping consistently to drink water um, because it's so hot. Um, in the fall, or as we get closer to the fall, that gap will start to widen. So like maybe I can go three miles. Maybe I can go four miles without water. But um, trying to hold myself to a standard where I am in the winter where like I can go 10 miles without drinking water because it's not really the hot. 10 miles can go pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> your face. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're no, like, it's oh, your, no. it's your <laughs> I should know. I should do a little poker face. I, I, I work on my poker face here. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I cringed. I was like, oh my God, 10 miles without water. But why? But why? What's the benefit? When it's like super cold, I'll just like blast through it. I don't know. Maybe I'm telling myself like I don't have time to stop. But my point is, I guess that I can go longer periods without it as to where in the summer, like those demands just change so much. Um, so I just try to make sure that whatever season I'm in, like I'm doing the best that I can for that season and not trying to fit myself into a box of like, um, where I was in the past or where I need to be in the future. Um, and that can be very hard because um, sometimes you'll have a tendency to look at where you are now and think about that big gap of like, oh, shit, I got to run this pace or faster in the fall. Um, a lot of marathoning, that's just kind of like the nature of the beast is that you put in the miles and on race day, everything has to come together. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think what I envisioned when you said that, and I, and I was wrong for doing so, was that like, you were like in the middle of a long run and going like 10 miles in the middle of a long run without water, not necessarily like, Hey, like a normal 10 mile run for you might be 70, 75 minutes. And for plenty of people, like their normal easy run is 70 to 75 minutes and they don't take water with them, especially if it's not super hot outside. So um, I was I was the vision in my mind was not uh, what you were saying. So I apologize for. Oh, yeah. Not for, like going drinking water at 10 and then at 20 <laughs> for the right. long run. Yeah, no, that's no, what not I was, like that's that. That's what I envisioned. That's why I was like, oh, God, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> that was my fault. I was kind of like switching gears there. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. I'm glad that I'm glad that you clarified and and um and said that because <laughs> i i wouldn't want people to get the wrong impression um yeah but yeah because again like, like like i said 
on a normal easy run, especially when the temps are cooler and you're running 70 to 75 minutes, there's plenty of people who go without water, especially if they're hydrating throughout the day. That's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but obviously, if someone's going on a long run, don't drink water every 10 miles on the long run. I guess I would yeah, no. advise. <laughs> <laughs> so this is exciting. You're, you're, you're doing work. You're about to start ramping up again um, to, to levels that you'd been at before. Um, what does the race schedule look like moving forward for the summer and into the early, early uh, fall? Right now I am. So I'm signed up for Indy and I'm signed up for CIM as a backup. And that's all I got lined up right now. I do need to find, um, a half marathon is kind of like a tune up, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do that here in Florida, just because I don't really think there are that many half marathons happening in over here um but the shorter races like i feel like i've gotten kind of spoiled like if it's not for free <laughs> then i'm like i don't want to pay for this to suffer and then go run marathon go. So, pace <laughs> so when's indy october 28 i believe okay. or 27 something like that okay so the idea is to maybe try to find a half marathon in mid to late september Yes, I found, um, I found, well, I didn't find it. Someone shared this with me that there's like this like downhill race in Oregon, like tunnel race or something. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like fun. I've never done that. This is the but opposite of free. Flying out to Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This involves like losing everything in my savings. <laughs> but, uh, you know. I might try and see if there's like something in Ohio or some kind of like a more quieter city. Um, but so the so, idea yeah, is kind right of get now, out of the South. Yeah. For the half, hopefully. But if I can't, like I'll just use it as kind of a run where I'll practice marathon pace during it, but I would like to go faster. Like I would like to know that I can run faster than marathon pace and a half. Although that has been my go-to training style i guess is that like i'll do a half marathon in florida like a month before and more or less my pace is going to be kind of bad um because i'm very good at doubling my half marathon pace right and then like you know because of the because of the conditions you're basically running half marathon effort when you're running you're basically running Mm -hmm. i should say when you're running half marathon effort, you're running marathon pace because of like basically like the weather the weather inflation of like times yeah yeah and a lot of it you know my confidence like going into indie there is none i cry every year because we don't get a cold day and i go oh my god how am i supposed to do this i haven't had one day below 80 and then i get to indie and running a fast pace it feels like nothing it's almost like um altitude training but it's not yeah I mean, there's so many people who live at altitude who say, like, I'd rather train here than train in the heat and humidity. Like, it's just that that that's worse than the, the altitude. I can believe it. <laughs> for yeah, sure. I can believe it. For sure. All right. Well, I'm really excited for you. That is for sure. Um, what have you been, you know, I know you're also a fan of the sport. I know, as you said, you're not a geek or a nerd about running. But you are a fan of the sport. So what have yeah. you been into recently? Whether it's like listening to things, reading things, um, watching you know, the, the World Championships are going to be on TV. Is there a certain thing that you've been into just from a consumption standpoint within within the, the running space or just the broader athletic space? 
I mean, I always watch like the track events. We have Peacock, so um, I'll watch some of like I, I like watching rather than running those shorter distances. So that's been fun. Um, I've also been reading the coach uh, Brad Hudson's book um, and learning about training and how to put together a training program and learning about like why my coach does certain things. So because I tend to like soldier through stuff and people ask me like, why'd you do that? And I say, I have no idea. <laughs> That's just what he told me to do. So I did it. But now I'm starting to learn more about that. Um, I picked up I picked up the book uh, from Jay DeSherry, which I've had for a very long time, uh, Running Rewired, and started reading through that again. But that's kind of been it i mean as far i like reading like people's running memoirs so i'm reading um kara goucher's book and yeah that's pretty much it and i like psychology books so i read a lot about that so it's well, not the, really a lot of the related. running books that have been coming out recently have a lot of has a, have a large psychological bent to them right kara's being yes. one and lauren fleshman's being another where like it's you can't read that without diving into the psychology of a lot of this stuff. That's for sure. So, yes. Jared, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. Um, good luck for the rest of the summer. And I can't wait to catch up um, maybe in August sometime. Cool. See you then. Jeremy, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Also, shout out to Lagoon and to Vacation Races. Again, Road of the Trials is going to be on the Railing Runner feed from now on. You'll probably see one episode per week. Kind of. I know sometimes with with um, Road of the Trials, sometimes they get bunched up and sometimes those episodes get more spread out. But I think for the most part, you can probably expect one per week moving forward, especially as we get into the fall when uh, it's going to be race season. Everyone's going to be really excited for that. Uh, but also, hey, shoot, Carmen Peller's out there racing right now at the World Championships. And she I think she just made the final of the steeplechase. So we can't wait to talk to her and so many others. So we'll get into that over here on, on uh, Rambling Runner. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.